And we welcome you to another edition of This Is Wrestling. It is Lever Sage, along with the one and only Zach Friggin' McGibbon. Mr. I'm at Seaway Valley. I'm at every wrestling promotion in the world, Zach. Thanks for making time for us here today. Uh, it's uh, always good to talk with you, Lee. Always fun to do these shows. Another edition of This Is Wrestling. And yes, as you mentioned, I was at Seaway Valley show in Belleville. Uh, a wrestling show making its way to the city of Belleville and at the uh, Little Texas Bar and Grill. Uh, I showed up for that show. Did not see all of it. I literally went from the Trenton Golden Hawks game straight to the wrestling show, so I missed about half the card. Um, but uh, I was able to see the back half, and uh, it's really cool to get some uh, quality pro wrestling from Seaway Valley uh, down to the area, so it was a real fun time. Little loose on the term city in referring to Belleville. Uh, also, I've been to Little Texas uh, Bar and Grill. I did not walk out of there probably as well as I walked into there on the <laughs> night that uh, I was there, but I do remember it somewhat. I was going to say fondly, <laughs> but I remember it uh, somewhat. It was um, there. You remember it was there. So much to talk about, Zach. Uh, in the world of professional wrestling, it never kind of disappoints with how much stuff is going on. Uh, we'll get to, you know, some AEW stuff as we usually do and some WWE stuff as we usually do. But it's kind of nice to be able to have a couple of other things to talk about here. We talk about local promotions uh, later on the show. Tanner Ryle will join us and talk about C4's latest show uh, in Ottawa on friday night and i know that there's some big things happening and they got some big things planned coming up so we'll talk to tanner and go through the card with him because he was there and we'll get a a front row perspective on that and we get to start we know there's a little bit of nwa news and i think probably the biggest news going is the fact that impact has changed their name and they've gone back to tna and they're going to rebrand themselves uh, starting in January with Hard to Kill, and they are going to be TNA from now on. They were obviously TNA in the past. It will be a little bit, um, what's the word, that people will look back here and go, okay, I remember this fondly. Nostalgic. Nostalgic. And I'm eager to hear what you have to say about Impact deciding to go back to TNA. Yeah, I was kind of taken aback how many people were nostalgic for the TNA letters from the old promotion. Uh, when I first heard that Impact was changing its name back to TNA and we're going to get total nonstop action wrestling again, my initial reaction was, why? Uh, they spent so long uh, trying to disassociate with those letters. They had to rebrand multiple times. Uh before finally settling on impact for the last last couple of years. Um, and so now you're at the point where you're going to go back to TNA, where personally for me, I don't associate a lot of positive things with the TNA name. I know that there's been a lot of good things coming out of TNA. I think of all the great matches with AJ Styles and Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, the famous uh, three-way between Daniels, Samoa Joe, and AJ Styles. Um, but I also think about Vince Russo's booking. I think about Dixie Carter. Um, I think about Hogan showing up. Uh, there's just so much with that TNA promotion that I just remember at the time, I don't have as much of a positive connotation with those letters as others do. But at the same time, as I kind of 
you know, read into their thought process and the decision-making into going back into the TNA name. Really, at this point, what does Impact have to lose? Uh, they are third, uh, generally speaking, in the North American wrestling land space, uh, or really more the U.S. Uh, general space. Um, they've gone down in viewers. They, they're not at the same peak as they were with Spike many years ago. Um, and really, a lot of people, when they think Impact, they still say the letters TNA. They still slip yeah. out the letters TNA. So really, at, at, at first, I was like, this makes no sense to me. This was a brand that was just highly toxic uh, when they rebranded to Global Force Wrestling and then Impact Wrestling afterwards. Uh, why would you go back to a toxic brand? But I think absence makes the heart grow fonder sometimes, Lee. And uh, I think they did a survey as well earlier this year. And apparently the response was overwhelmingly uh, they wanted a return uh, to the TNA branding. And obviously it's the more recognizable name as opposed to Impact Wrestling. So I think at this point, what does Impact really have to lose with going back to the TNA letters, the TNA branding? And you know what? Just embrace their history at this point and start off with a new era. And we've seen a lot of good things coming out of Impact slash now TNA uh, over the last couple of years. They've got a really solid talent roster. I went to one of their pay-per-views this past year and had a really good time. Um, and so uh, I think it's just kind of going back to a familiar branding name and uh, and trying to start off a new generation for TNA. Okay, before maybe even some opinions from us, um, you, you talked about kind of reading into their justification for it. What is the biggest, I guess, reason that you got out of why they wanted to do this? Why they thought this was best for business? I think uh, it just kind of goes back to, I I, I think... I agree with th I agree with them in the sense that TNA is the much more recognizable brand name than Impact Wrestling. More people know about TNA Wrestling as opposed to Impact Wrestling. I think in the grand shape of things, um, I think also too changing it back to TNA, uh, a familiar name, gets people talking. It's got us talking as a lead topic for this show, and we very rarely, if at all, talk about Impact on this show. Um, and so I think they realize this is a way to kind of get our name out there and uh, get ourselves into the news cycle because usually it's dominated by WWE or AEW uh, news coverage uh, with the occasional New Japan stuff, wherever it may fit. Uh, but so I think TNA now kind of sees it as a way to, one, get their name back in the news cycle, get people talking about impact, especially after a pay-per-view uh, that they had in Chicago uh, this past Sunday, Saturday. Uh mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just get people talking about impact. And in the grand scheme of things, I don't really see this as, you know, they, they, there's a press release. I think they mentioned that, uh, they were looking at bigger arenas. I don't know if being now TNA is going to bring them, you know, into the, the giant arenas that they would hope for. But if they were looking to try and get some decent size for pay-per-view and, and television, uh, that might be a little bit of a boost. Um, but for me personally, it's like I I I obviously recognize the TNA name. Uh, I think it's just kind of easier to call it TNA as opposed to Impact. Um, and I think in the general, just kind of analyzing it from a business sense, I think it's just I think more people would recognize them by TNA as opposed to Impact. So, well, I think I, I'm like you. I, I, 
look, I've I've lived through the whole um I've lived through everything sort of watching it live as we go and not having to go back. I'm not faulting younger people for doing that. I'm calling myself old. Um there is a lot of good and some bad that comes with it. I never love the three letters together. Um because at first, as I was living it, it's like, I, I guess any name, and I'll, I'll talk about different branding things. When I was in Toronto and the name would come up and people would have voting, um, lots of different ideas, and then the name of the basketball team was going to come down. And when it was voted to be the Raptors, in the middle of the Jurassic Park era, I was like, this is the worst name ever. Like, I literally couldn't think of a worse name. Uh, also been through it here a couple of times in Ottawa with the Renegades and then the Red Blacks. And I actually really liked the Red Blacks name. I was one of very, very few that did. And it, it got a huge uh, negative reaction because people were like, what's a Red Black? I still don't know what a red black is. And you know what? I don't care uh, because now the Raptors are just the Raptors and that's who they are. They're, they're a representation of the city and the country and basketball. I don't care that it's an actual dinosaur. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the LA Lakers were the Minnesota Lakers because there was lakes in Minneapolis and Minnesota and there's no lakes in LA hate to break it to you none zero and the fact that they're the LA Lakers does anybody care no, no. they're such a rich tradition and history and everything else so at the time I hated TNA because it it kind of drew up everything for me like I was always such a proud you know me like and I still am but I was a very very proud wrestling fan loved ECW. I loved all kinds of wrestling, no matter what. And when people would tell me that it's just like, it, it's not only the fake stuff where, where you still get, but they tell you that it's just this like circus type atmosphere when quite frankly, a legitimate company with some very, very legitimate wrestlers in it was called TNA. It was like, I got to defend this to every single person that I know to be like, no, look past the letters and, and try to look at, and it's like, why would you ever do this to yourself? So I still actually hate the name. Yeah. But I also now don't care about the name because it's, I don't know. When did they first come up with that in TNA? How long ago was that? 20 years ago? Yeah, like, 2002, I believe Russo yeah. was the one that came up with the name Shocking. Okay, so uh, 21 years ago. Yeah. Um, enough time has passed and enough actual wrestling where you mentioned some of the, the greats. And there are a lot of greats that have been through. And I, I didn't want to see Hogan and Sting and Nash and all of those guys. And it brings up memories of the six-sided ring that was just stupid. And like there were just so many things that weren't good. But I also remember going to, what was it, it called? The Impact Zone? I think yep. it was. Yeah. Yep. The Impact Zone and going 
do a pay-per-view and sitting there and going to the TV tapings and waiting all day at, at um, Disney to wait in line and wait in line here and wait in line. And they take in, it takes all day mm-hmm. to, to wait in line, but you do get in for free and you get to see the show. And uh, I love some of the wrestlers in the show. That's what it actually means to me now. It doesn't mean anything by the name. And when I think of TNA now, when you just say it to me, they're, I'm like, okay, I got a lot of good that I can remember. Unfortunately, I got a lot of bad that I can remember, but at least I remember a bunch of stuff about it. And you can go forward and change it even more. I think idea, I, I, I impact was just, I don't know, as you said, it was just impact. Like it just, there's no real tradition in history. I don't go back and think of impact champions and and things that have happened previously in in the company they had nothing to lose and i think they have a lot to gain by doing this um i think it really helps that you have you know they had a show obviously where uh there's some really good wrestling in it uh will osprey and mike bailey uh were on the program uh will osprey saying afterwards that um you know, the TNA part of it is good, but the fact that there's such a solid unit and a team and it's fun. And I also think we can't forget the, and you can probably talk about this, Zach, a little bit, the success that TNA had in Europe, in England and in Europe was massive. Like they had some real solid success over across the pond where I don't think impact has even come close to that. They had a TV deal over there. They were selling out arenas. They were, they did some great business over there. And I think that part of it can't be forgotten because those you're, you're bringing all those people back. Who cares about me and you and people in Canada and, you know, some parts around the U S they get a whole other part of the world. They can bring back to go, hey, watch our product again. So I, I do think, you know, we're we're past the name change. You'll still get the naysayers about the name in the first place, but I think a lot of wrestling fans with the history behind them don't care anymore, and are like me that they don't care. They just want to see, okay, there's a lot of good. There is some bad for sure, but where is there not in wrestling promotions and you know what i'd be willing to go and see what they're going to do by rebranding this let's go yeah and 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 yeah you mentioned that uk tour i believe they had like a big time tv deal there and that's how they were able to attract such a U, a big uk base because i think they had a tv deal the equivalent of wwe if not better when they uh, were at their peak there think about um, that which is crazy. Yeah. And, and AEW has tried to capitalize on that too. Cause they've got a big TV deal with ITV, which is one of the biggest television networks there in the UK. Um, and so, and, and Tony Khan has talked about how they've tried to, uh, he, he believes that, you know, AEW is just as big, if not bigger than WWE there. Now that could, that's a promoter kind of promoting a show, but you get what I, what I mean. Um, yeah. In the case of TNA, I, I think, like you said, they've got more to gain here than to lose. Um, they're in a spot in, in the wrestling landscape where uh, they're not in the top two for sure. They might even just be a distant number number three. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going back to that previous affiliation with TNA, 
um, might help them get that little bit of a boost and people saying, Oh, I remember TNA. I remember when these guys like Daniels and, and, and Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and even Stane and Kurt Angle, um, uh, those guys being on the programming. So uh, I guess my question though, for you, because you did kind of mention it, uh, the six sided ring. I, I would also not a fan of the six sided ring. That might, be not be a popular take especially for some of the big tna fans but um do you think eventually they bring it back because that was the one thing i kept seeing all over once tna was announced to return that uh it was a matter of when not if the six-sided ring would return to tna i do think it will come back because it is part of their history and part of their nostalgia but i would think it would be a massive mistake to bring it back full-time mm-hmm. like if you want to bring it back for a match or two and and really promote that particular match i have no problem with that it, it to me that would be like promoting any other type of nostalgic match that you have like it's like a to me a you know maybe not a great example but like the royal rumble grew into like it was just an event at cops coliseum and it grew into something else if you want to make it some you know, annual event where you have a pay-per-view or you have a few matches. I, I do think eventually it will be brought in. If they use it full-time, they are not going to have the success. It It's just something you can't change because when you get to the greatest wrestlers in the world and you want people to be at that next level, people are... People aren't training. People aren't using that ring until they get there. So unless you think you can create, you know, 50 wrestling stars in your own home base and nobody's going to come from the independents or go anywhere else, I just don't think that that's a recipe for success. Mm -hmm. So you want to use it occasionally, fine. But if you start to make it a staple, I'm out. Because I know your business is going to go downhill because I know that you won't be able to attract the type of talent full time that needs to be there for that company to grow properly. That's my take on it. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I I think the law the same way as you do on that. It's uh, if as a pay-per-view gimmick that they want to do, like for one night, the six sided ring returns as sort of a draw and you try and bring in those nostalgic TNA viewers uh, to buy the pay-per-view. I think that could be something that could work out for uh, that company. But yeah, I I'm much the same way. I'd much rather the four sided ring. Um, And I, and also too, we've heard from wrestlers that are performing the six sided ring. It's not fun taking bumps on in those rings as well. So I'd imagine as a performer, I, Mm -hmm. they would, they would hope that it would stick with the four sided ring as opposed to six sides. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing how much it's taken in throughout the news cycle. I, I completely underestimated how people uh, were nostalgic for the TNA letters. Yeah. Cause I, I, I have just so much negative connotation with it. Like I started watching TNA uh, later I started watching I actually was enjoying it at first because it was the rise of Austin Aries for the world championship against Bobby Roode um, and then I really started to fall off of it once the aces and eight storyline came in um, yeah. that was my sort of out at that point and then everything afterwards with like Dixie Carter and and her hugging Hulk Hogan's leg as he's walking out of the impact zone and uh, 
the famous gaffe of uh, of uh, them accidentally leaking Vince Russo was still working for the company because they mistitled uh, an email that was supposed to go to Mike Tanay and it said, went to Mike Johnson, a PW insider. Um, so uh, there's just so much with TNA and I look at some of the older pay-per-views and there, there's just this general feeling and presentation of TNA at the time for me that just, I, I didn't feel, it felt scummy. I, and I can never shake that feeling. Um, it's much better now. It's a much more polished promotion at this stage. But obviously when it debuted, it was like, I mean, the, the promotion was called TNA, right? Like, it, it, well, that's, that's what I talked about. Like, yeah, it, it really sucked knowing that there were good people there at the beginning and having to defend that name. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. It was not a uh, tested Albert tribute promotion. It was a, uh, something, uh, it's for a, a euphemism, I believe is, uh, the appropriate terminology, but yes, it was, uh, having to explain that name to people. No, it's not what you think it is. It stands for total nonstop action wrestling. Right. And it, it's, it was just brutal to watch. And, and then again, the, just all the stuff on screen. I remember they tried to do, uh, their own version of Montreal with angle and Hogan and styles and just like, yeah, yeah. there, there's just so much with it. And, th- and again, there were some good, there were highlights. I, I don't want to be too much of a Debbie downer on TNA because there were definitely, I mean, the X division was what helped make them stand out around that mm-hmm. time, giving guys like the motor city machine guns, uh, an opportunity, Jay lethal, uh, Sanjay Dutt, uh, like the X division was strong. Again, I mentioned angle, um, but then it also just became like the running joke at that point was that it was the retirement home of WWF guys. And if you had a name from the WWE, you would get pushed. Like Val Venus was getting to push as Sean Morley and Mr. Kennedy became Mr. Anderson. And uh, it, it's, I just have a little bit more of a negative connotation, but like I mentioned earlier, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I guess people really wanted that TNA name back and uh, lo and behold, it's coming back. Well, and I think that that's part of, you know, you think of some of the people for me, I, back in, in the time where I really loved it, um, you know, Samoa Joe was there and certainly the Motor City Machine Guns were there. And, um, you know, I thought they were doing a pretty good Team Canada thing with Bobby Roode and Eric Young and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you had... You know, like Abyss had his thing, and I didn't love Abyss, but you still had AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels, and um, just you know, some really, some really good names there, and and Jarrett and Angle, and um, I just think that's part of the the things that I'm going to remember about this mm-hmm. is not all the crap like i remember the pd williams and yep. the elix skippers and the sanjay dots and, and lax la yeah lax uh america's most wanted and yep. um i remember monty brown i i i like monty brown going through he wasn't the greatest wrestler but he was so charismatic and they absolutely dropped the ball when they tried to push him in the mid-2000s but uh i i i like me some monty brown with the pounce uh and, uh, you know, Jared Christian cage had one of his best runs before this AEW run of his career yep. in TNA as well. So it also helped guys. I, I again, I don't want to be too much of a Debbie downer on, on TNA because again, there were good things and there were certainly guys that went to TNA that benefited from being, uh, with TNA, but, uh, 
Yeah, and I can't believe I'm forgetting. Sorry, I just wanted to get beer money. And I oh, loved, yeah. I loved beer money. Yeah. Um, you know, Bobby Roode and James Storm. I, I thought they were awesome. I when they came out, I wanted to see it. Uh, I haven't mentioned Jay Lethal's name um as a part of the so there were a lot of good, good um they did a lot of women's wrestling before there was, you know. Yep. It, it was actually what was hilarious about it is that you know, they called themselves TNA and they were less TNA at yeah. points than say the WWE was. It's true. Like in, in the early two thousands and and some of the, the the crap that they had where you had um uh Gail Kim and um Awesome Kong. Uh, awesome Kong. That's who I was trying to remember. Uh yeah. you had a lot of good women that were really sort of into putting women's wrestling on the map and not just being TNA. So I think the name hurt them back then for sure. But I think no matter what, it's like I can tell you that the Raptors name or the Red Blacks name or other names are terrible. But okay, if you're a new fan, you come in, you're like, why do I want to cheer for a team full of dinosaurs and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But now we're just past it. We're in the history of it. We're like the Raptors have won an NBA championship. And from Damon Stoudemire to Paul Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to Kawhi Leonard and everybody else in between. Like, it doesn't matter what their name is anymore. The Red Blacks have won a Grey Cup and yeah. went to three Grey Cups in four years um, in, in the first five years that they were back. I don't care that their name is Red and Black. I actually think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But when you start to have to explain it to people, that's when you get into this... Like, okay, I get where you're coming from, but try and see past it. Well, I don't have to see past this anymore because uh, I do think that there's a good group there. And I guess when I watch Impact, where they currently tape their shows, I think it's a terrible building with a terrible audience of... Um, no, I don't, they're not a terrible audience. They're, it's a terrible venue for the audience to come across as passionate to me. I I hate everything about it. Um, it makes it look minor league to me. And if they can do anything and change that up a little bit and just change how sort of the it's presented, they got a really good group there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, I mean, Osprey's going and wrestling in the middle of the card and... Um, Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander are wrestling. Jordan Grace is winning the gauntlet, and our buddy PCO is winning another big match. And mm -hmm. like, um, you know, they got some real talent, veterans, young guys. Um, I, I think they're doing a fantastic job. Their women's wrestling, you know, with having Jordan Grace back now and um, Deanna Perazzo and and. Trinity and and some of the like they're doing a really good job, but they look minor league still. And I hope that this name change comes with some other promotion to change the look of it because I really I want to get into it and I want to believe them and I want to have more access to it and I want to be able to get behind another group, another promotion that feels like there's good people there. Mm -hmm. I just when I watch their product, it falls flat for me. The name falls flat. The The presentation falls flat. Okay, they changed the name. I'm assuming they're going to change some of the branding. Time to go.
So I'm excited about it. Yep. And I, I also think it's Anthem kind of realizing they've got to had this product now for a couple of years and they want to try and get more on a ROI, a return of investments. So uh, my, I would imagine too, that they're trying to set this up to try and angle for some sort of better television deal than just having it on the Anthem owned stations. So yeah. uh, that's my guess on it, but, uh, but otherwise, yeah, totally agree. Okay. So let's get into, you know, formerly of WCW and TNA and, you know, WWE, I guess, for a bit. And then now in AEW, Sting announces that he is going to retire at AEW Revolution coming up uh, in the beginning of the new year. It is the first pay-per-view, right? Yes. So that will take place when? Uh, they haven't announced the date for that Revolution pay-per-view yet, but I would imagine it be sometime in either February or March. Right. Uh, yeah. February was my, my thought. So um, I, I think it's probably the right way to do it. I also think Sting is going to, um, they've done an amazing job at um, having somebody there. Like that to me is like a, a learning course and how to bring in a veteran that still feels like they want to work a little bit. Mm-hmm. but ha- have them only work in these special spots, help the young people try to not take the spotlight away, but to help them. It's, it's been a masterclass uh, in that for me, as the way that they've used that with Darby Allen. So um, I'll, I'll just come right out and say, I, I'd be shocked if it wasn't Darby Allen that ends up being Sting's opponent in this final match. But what about you? Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think it has to be some sort of inclusion of Darby Allen, uh, in his final match, whether it be a one-on-one against each other or, uh, just one last tag team match. Uh, I, I would imagine just the way that the story has been the last couple of years and how, uh, the dynamic of Sting and Darby Allen has been to AEW that I would have to think Darby Allen would be involved somehow, some way in the final match of, of Sting. And I think this is a really great way of capping off a, a legendary career for Sting. Um, and, and you know, you have now a, a final retirement date. I think they kind of saw what happened overseas with Great Muda and his retirement tour um, and realizing it did big business for Muda in Japan in terms of his final match. And I think that's what they're trying to resemble here with Sting's final match uh, for AEW and, and in professional wrestling. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine, I don't think it'll be a singles match. Uh, I always get the sense with Sting that he'd much rather be in tags where he doesn't have to have, he doesn't have to worry about carrying his load too much. He could just rely on the younger guy in Darby. Um, and he could come in and do his spots how he can. And we've seen with Sting, uh, through a lot of his matches and his and tag matches with Sting that uh, with Darby, that he can more than carry the load and he could put in the big spots. So I'd imagine that be the same. I think Sting would want to go out in the best possible light. And I don't think a singles match for Sting at this stage of his career would be the best possible light for him. Um, who that team would be. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I could easily see it be, you know, we, we saw Jarrett and lethal do it for flair. Why not do it for sting? Um, but uh, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, but I would think that would be 
uh, Darby and, and Sting as a tag team uh, as part of Sting's final match. Hmm. So you don't think the one-on-one, eh? So now we would wonder who that would be against. Right. Yeah, and 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 like I said, it, I wouldn't rule out a Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, only because they've done it before with Flair. Um, and you have some kind of a connection with Jarrett and Sting going back to WCW. But, but do you think that's really going to draw people in? Like, what, what, if you're an AEW follower mm-hmm. right now, and you're, you've started with AEW, and that's, that's kind of what you know. You like it. You, you, you like what's going on, but you don't know necessarily 20, 30 years of back history and everything else. What would draw you in? As a, like, would it be, I don't know, would it be, would it be, would it be wrestling for the tag team championships? That could be something where he retires on top. Um, They win the titles and and there's somebody else there to replace it. That's true. I always kind of follow the adage of, you know, the final match for somebody is them putting somebody else over. Um, So. I would imagine it would be uh, you could put in a team that uh, could get the rub from beating Sting because I'll tell you this right now. I'll lock it in right now. Sting is taking a pinfall loss, however, which way in his final match. Um, so who would be who would who would benefit from from getting the pinfall over Sting and being put over? Um, that's what uh, I'm going to just my head. It could be Darby, but disagree with you right right now. Okay, I look if, if they're wrestling one on one. If it happens to be Darby, if it happens to be, I don't know, a younger talent. Okay, I can get behind you at this point. Mm-hmm. But if they're wrestling as a tag team, they're not losing. <laughs> like uh, uh, they're not losing, and the, I could I could make a, an argument here. For um, to Darby to to start teaming with, so or somebody else comes along in their, like you know they're bringing along Nick Wayne and now he's turned and got Ar Fox. Well, I don't <laughs> even know what happened there, but sure. Um, but I, I don't think they're losing. I don't think Sting is going to stand in the ring and take a pinfall loss with Darby Allen beside his side. Mm. Um, I I don't think like, and you tell me. I think at some point when there's really really big guys in the company, you can get a rub from beating them. Yeah. But I don't think Sting is one of those guys because I think he's too old. And I I almost mean that as a compliment, like. If you're going to bring in like a Nick Wayne or let's just use Nick Wayne as an example. Sure. If, if Nick Wayne is going to wrestle Sting at the, at the pay-per-view, Nick Wayne's going to be the guy that ends up retiring Sting. Does, does, does that do anything for Nick Wayne? I, I just don't I think know. I would Sting. actually. Oh. Yeah, I think it would. I, I think they could certainly, cause he's a heel right now. And but maybe that's the only guy. Up. Maybe that's the only guy because he's so right. young. Like, what is he? 18, right. 19 years old? Like, yeah, not even 20 yet. No. Yeah. So maybe, but Sting is 60 years old. Mm-hmm. 64, yeah. 
He's 64 years old. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think a younger talent beating a 64 year old is going to really do all that much unless they're willing to give it to like Nick Wayne and have him absolutely run with that, like, mm-hmm. and, and carry into a Derby feud and, and, and do all sorts of stuff with him after and just like promoting the hell out of the fact that he beat this legend. And, but it would never do anything for like, I'm just trying to think of somebody in the mid card and it, look, I hate to say it. Here's your boy Miro. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing right now is the redeemer and the, he's going to beat up everybody that his wife wants to manage because he's actually protecting her and blah, blah. But I don't, I don't know what that is, but I know it's in the mid card somewhere. Mm-hmm. Of AEW, do you think it does anything for Miro to be, beat Sting? No, and, and I and I doubt it would. They would book Miro in a program with Sting. Yeah, but I'm just using him as an example right. of of a lot of guys in the mid card that I just don't know what it could ever do for them. Mm-hmm. So you you want to book Nick Wayne? Uh, okay, um, I'd be way more interested in Sting and Darby Allen winning the tag team championships and having to find a Darby having to find a new partner when sting retires and goes out on top and gives him the belt. And like, I'd actually be way more into that mm-hmm. than I would be. So I, I, I don't know that when you're saying lock it in, sting is going to take the pinfall. Yep. If, if it's a one-on-one match. Okay. Um, for sure. I would, I would think that he would do that, mm-hmm. but if they're in a tag team match, I don't know. I I think it's good though because it gives us something to talk about, and I don't think him hanging on um, for too long. Like, where is this ever going? He's sixty four years old, and I don't need to see him in the ring. And right. I think he's done what he can do for Darby and all that stuff. So um, I think it's the right time, yeah, for for it. And and they can play the story out for a few months, and then he's gone. All I'll uh, say with Nick Wayne is that he was also on. Uh the card for Ric Flair's last match. So uh, he, didn't obviously, he didn't obviously wrestle Flair, but he was on that card. So uh, yeah, he knows a thing or two about retirements and wrestling. Huh. Um, That's good so, recall by you. Very yeah. nice. I, 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 I was trying to remember because uh, I mentioned lethal and Jared, obviously because they were in the main event and I was going through that card. And I remember that four-way match he was in with uh, Takeshita, uh Gresham. And I'm, forget the fourth man but i know nick wayne was in there um mm. but uh yeah it was uh i'm like oh maybe they could you know sneak him in there um and, and that's just kind of how i think when it comes to wrestling retirements just the guy puts the other one over um you could make an argument that with sting teaming with darby allen that maybe sting isn't if they win but sting's not the one that gets the victory it's darby allen that gets the victory yeah. I mean, you get the final acknowledgement. I could see that argument, but I I just kind of stay true to the old-fashioned guy takes the loss and puts over the next person, um, and and that's and then they go on their merry way. Um, I can tell you right now, we are not going to get a Sting versus Ric Flair match at Revolution. I, uh, I'm going to throw Excellent. that out. Excellent. Um, we should hit on a, another couple of things here um, before Tanner joins us. And... You know what? I was all fired up that Cody Rhodes was a mid-card tag team champion. <laughs> um, no longer. Uh, as uh, Jimmy Uso costs 
Jay and Cody, their tag team championships uh, back to the Judgment Day once again. They're sort of doing this in-between shows thing in the battle, and they're starting to do the Nick Aldis, Adam Pierce thing. Um, uh, I guess I'll give the WWE begrudgingly a little bit of credit that they're not going to stick with these tag team championships. He, Cody needed to have those taken away. He never had to have them in the first place, but if they were going to do it. I, I don't, all the judgment day has done is lost titles and then got them back like within a week. Yeah. And I, and I don't know that that's the best way to go about it. Um, but they do get the tag team belts off of them back to the judgment day and i think that's probably a better place for them i wish they hadn't have done this in the first place but okay fine that's a better place for them we can find other things so uh i'll give you your choice here zach you can talk a little bit about that or about logan paul coming back and being what he calls a wwe superstar and wants to take on Rey mysterio for the u.s title coming up at crown jewel yeah, I, I actually want to talk about that more. Um, I, I I think that's a fascinating direction WWE is going to take with uh, Logan Paul because I could totally see Logan Paul winning the U.S. Championship uh, oh, at the uh, Saudi 100%. show. Hundred percent. And and it's a and it's a really well booked match too, uh, because Rey Mysterio is one of those guys that if you talk to an average wrestling fan or sorry an average like just you talk to a regular Joe right and they don't know much about wrestling but they'll name off a couple of wrestlers. They'll always say the rock. They'll always say Hulk Hogan. They'll always say John Cena. And I think some would say Ray Mysterio. Some would say Randy Orton. Some would say big show, but mm-hmm. Ray Mysterio would absolutely be in that category. And so I think putting Ray Mysterio in there with Logan Paul uh, and Logan Paul obviously reaches a, a, a wide audience in terms of his uh, podcasts and what he does for YouTube or whatever. Um, you put him in the ring there with Ray Mysterio. We, we already know with Logan Paul that uh, he could really go in the ring, uh, especially for his skill level and just how many matches he has under his belt. Uh, You put him in there with a a legend in Rey Mysterio. I think that uh, could really uh, drive up some some interest. And then obviously if you're WWE, you put the U S belt on to Logan Paul and you have that belt being showcased where, you know, Paul may have it on a podcast or, um, any sort of appearance that he makes uh, upcoming boxing match uh, with Dylan Dennis has uh, kind of been spreading around. Um, you know, that's, that's something that would absolutely appeal to WWE. And I would be much more open to that with a U.S. belt than the world championship. Um, so I, I quite like this pairing. I, I think that's a smart matchup that WWE did. I agree with everything that you're saying. It makes total sense. In fact, I'd be shocked if they didn't have Logan Paul win this championship. Like, I don't know how they get out of crown jewel with Logan Paul looking strong. Um, I, I did read some stuff that look bad bunny. And is it going to really be Mysterio and bad bunny and um, Logan Paul and, and, and maybe Dominic or like, uh, I just struggle with that a lot. Yeah. Um, put, put the rocket ship on logan paul um he might not deserve it from his tenure and time spent and everything else but hey guess what life ain't fair and some people just have the it factor and that guy can go in the ring and i I have i I think i've just turned 180 on on him and 
sort of the celebrity usage. Um, I, I always hated celebrity usage. I still hate celebrity usage unless they're going to like fully, fully commit. And I know Logan Paul has other things going on, but the guy represents the brand well. He gets on a freaking boxing pay-per-view and he's mentioning Rey Mysterio in the, the U.S. title on like mainstream television on a boxing like right afterwards mm -hmm. and as you said he i'd much rather it with a u.s title than a world title and i think that the thing that matters the most to me is like okay send in some other guys to fight him logan paul can go yep. like i i don't care who you're gonna stick in the ring with him like say i'm just trying to think of who some good challengers you know would be for him but maybe you would stick up uh, it's going to be on smackdown maybe you stick kevin owens against him maybe he's like there are certain guys that you could put in they'd be like man i would really look forward to those matches instead of going ah it's the celebrity i i, I hope they can get by with a subpar performance <laughs> like because that would be good and not bad not have it be a total disaster right. uh, i just i think he's got a knack I actually watched his promo on SmackDown and went, take the handcuffs off of him. You could tell at points he was memorizing and reading um, from what they they put to him, and he still pulled it off pretty well. So I would take, I would just let him go and go, yep. dude, you got this. Like, let's let's perfect this crap and let's go because all he needs is a couple of bullet points to stay on. And you could tell on Friday, he was a little bit script guy, but mm -hmm. I understand like that's their formula, but he just has this it factor where I want to watch the guy. And then in the ring, he's actually pretty good. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that to me is probably like, I would look forward to that match. And I can't believe like a year ago or two years ago that I would say this, that I'd be looking forward to watching Rey Mysterio and Logan Paul fight way more than Roman Reigns and LA Knight. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy to think about a year ago. Cause I, like you, I'm one of those people that does not really like celebrity involvement in wrestling unless they fully commit as doubly. So for celebrities challenging for title belts and winning them, um, but Logan Paul has has changed that. Uh, he's he's had such strong performances in WWE, and uh, you know, I I still I I still when he challenged for Ro Roman Reigns for the belt last year, I was one of those naysayers. But in this scenario, he's been uh, on the roster more. He's started to acclimate himself. He's now really more of a part time guy as opposed to a celebrity um, that comes in for WWE. He just happens to have a big fan base and, and a big drawing power. Um, and so you add that in. And also if you're Ray Mysterio, like I'd mentioned on the show that uh, Logan Paul reminds me of Art Barr so much. Um, you don't think that would be on Ray Mysterio's mind as well uh, in terms of trying to hone that in. Um, and so I think that could make for a real fun match uh, at, uh, at the show in Saudi Arabia. Okay, we're agreeing on a lot of things. Uh, let's it's very little, scary that we're agreeing. I know. Let's get to a little uh, NWA news here before Tanner comes on. Sure. Uh, and a TV deal that um, does it put him back on the map? 
Yeah, a new t- television deal for the NWA. Uh, they're going to have NWA Power with the CW. <laughs> power. Um, power. You have to say the three R's in it. Um, and so uh, they've got to deal with the CW, and they're also having a uh, reality show that's also going to be airing on the CW. Um, so Corgan had mentioned, uh, I think it was on Busted Open, that uh, they had signed a deal with a top 20 television network. Uh, I, I love that he phrased it as a top 20 as opposed to, you know, a top 10 or top 15. Like it's a top 20. It's like, well, it's not going to be ABC or, you know, NBC or any of those. Uh, so we're going to have to go further down the rankings list. But I think this is a good deal for the NWA. Obviously, we don't know if it's like, you know, a, a time buy or an ad share deal or if they're getting like a little chunk of change as part of a rights fee deal. But in terms of getting the reach out there for the NWA, I think it's just a smart partnership. And I think it's also tactical that they announced the uh, reality show that's part of the deal as well uh, with the success of uh, the wrestlers show on Netflix. Um, I think that uh, will entice some people because of uh, how that show has kind of been received. Um, and so now you have a presumably a similar reality type show that's going to be airing on the CW. Um, this is obviously solid for wrestling. I'm kind of surprised that the NWA were able to secure a deal like this uh, with with the network like the CW. But uh, again, I think this is a, a strong deal for them. It's an, obviously an increase and they're able to get themselves outside of uh, outside of the YouTube bubble um, and get on an actual television network. I guess my question is, uh, because there's a lot of different wrestling promotions on TV, and I know we mentioned like with certain venues and certain arenas that you want to look big time, you want to look like a big league promotion. Um, but I always enjoyed that intimate studio vibe that the NWA presented with power. Um, and so, okay. Uh, and I just want to make something clear here. I, the intimate, the intimate place where you tape your television and have people there and whatever, it can work perfectly or it can be a full detriment to what it looks like. Yes. So I do agree with you. I actually love the old school, you know 80s nwa kind of they got the crowd that I, some of the intimate environments i love i actually think nxt used to do a really good job um now it's way too kind of flashy and like there's too many colors going on and it just i don't mind the i still don't mind where they do it i think they could change the look up i think they had a great look the black and gold you can do an intimate environment properly i want to make that clear i just don't think impact does the intimate environment very well at all right yeah i i i guess what i was just trying to pose is like can something like the nwa with the studio uh audience work for a network like the cw because obviously they'll have to make some uh upgrades to their production whatnot to reach uh, television network standards and does something like a studio environment work because i personally love that environment um, and I think it just fit them well and helped make them stand out in a pretty crowded wrestling promotion scene. Um, can something like that work in 2023 on a, on a network like the CW? Yeah, I think it can. But man, you gotta you gotta have some smart people there to do it right. Yeah. And um, I just don't know. Like that's I don't know until I see it. Right. Yeah. Like I think it can work, but if it doesn't work, it's gonna bomb. So I don't think there's a lot of in-between there. I really don't. Um, it either 
you either, when you watch it, if you give yourself a little bit of time to watch a product, you either kind of get captivated and, and feel like you're in this intimate, hey, I'm part of this this new thing that not a lot of people are, but it, it, it really is this intimate environment that you feel a part of. Or if you don't feel that way, it's the opposite effect. It's like, look at this sort of dog and pony show that's running on nickels and dimes and looks like, you know, it, I, I could run that down the street. Right. So when you put that on the network, man, you better be right. But that's going to be the job of them to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and the other ones, like, um, I'm just trying to think of, you know, uh, CM Punk's wife, AJ. Oh, uh, Women or, of Wrestling. Women of Wrestling. Wow. Um, is an absolutely great environment that they have used terribly. Yes. Um, I love the little environment that they do it in. Mm. But they've filled it with a bunch of people that don't know what's going on. They have fake crowd noise. They have, you know, bad announcers. They have bad, they have a lot of things that make that product not fun to watch. But I think if you stripped it down and just said, this is the environment that you get to use and you get to put all of your touches on it, I actually think it's not a bad environment. Mm -hmm. So, but it's all about how it's presented. Right. Yep. And I, and I watch that and go, this is, this is not good. No. Um, David McLean's uh, vision of wrestling is not something I agree with. Uh, well, uh, I yeah, that. yeah, I think that's that's exactly what I would say. Yeah. Um, By the way, uh, also sticking with the NWA quickly before we go to Tanner, uh, the territory system cut is is back. Uh, are you excited? Are you excited for new territories to pop up? We're gonna get NWA. Uh, maybe we'll get Mid South back. Maybe we'll get Florida back running territory. I know EC3's got a territory now in Ohio. Maybe I'll start up NWA Belleville. I love territory wrestling. Oh, me too. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about this system though. Like, can it work? Can the territories mm. work in 2023? Yes. Depending Ooh. on what depending on what you think the definition of can it work, what does that mean to you? Gotcha. Like what, what is your definition of success for a territory? Uh, like, because it certainly isn't on the, the same levels as the other promotions. No. So, so then if you're defining success, what is that to you in a territory? Uh, I would say that they're kind of the market leader in their section of uh, their area. So let's say, uh, just because we talked about wrestlers earlier, Ohio Valley wrestling, let's say that they decide to partner up with the NWA. Um, they technically already have a stranglehold on the Ohio area. So that may not be the best example, but let's just say, let's just say EC3 comes in with NWA with his NWA promotion. I forget what his promotion is called. And then it ends up being the top promotion of that Ohio state. Like uh, that's the go-to promotion that everybody goes to like C4 would be for Ottawa. Um, then I would consider that a success in terms of a business metric. I just kind of look at it personally with the territory stuff. The reason why I kind of jokingly say that is I just look at it more as, you know, and they did this a, a couple of years ago where the NWA would sell licenses and it would essentially be, you could use NWA branding on your promo promotion. Um, that's how I kind of view this quote unquote territory system. 
uh, where it's really just, hey, we're willing to let you use the NWA branding. So if I were to start up a promotion here in Belleville and I decided to call it Belleville Championship Wrestling, well, then I could also reach out to the NWA and I could be like, well, this is now NWA Belleville Championship Wrestling. You know what I mean? So that's how I kind of view this territory thing. I got the reason why I brought it up is I actually surprisingly asked about this by a few people, my thoughts on it. And I just thought how just kind of wanted to explain my view on it. I just see it as more like we're willing to sell the rights to the NWA name as part of your promotion. So. Yeah. um, So therefore I don't think it can work. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think that that is long-term success. No. What I do think is success is like for C4, I think they've done a, a pretty good job at getting, you know, some talent to come in, um, some recognition around the area. They certainly have a rabid fan base. Um, They have a reputation. It takes time to earn a reputation. Mm -hmm. And I do think to me, to run a territory, the success would be, okay, if you're going to run a smaller venue, like the Preston Event Center, are you going to sell it out? Right. Um, Are you going to be a place that young wrestlers come up and go, hey, if I can make it to C4, I'm going to get seen. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work my butt off in that company because I know I can see all the people that have left C4. And we, we've already, you know, talked about some of the names that have moved on, right? And that are big names like Mike Bailey. And I mean, there's, ton, there's tons of them. Yep. So that's that defines success for me. Do you have a, it's like, it's kind of like junior hockey. Like junior hockey is a great thing that establishes some roots in your community and you get people that come into your community for a certain period of time. They want to hone their craft. They want success. You get behind them. You get to see them grow and you get to see them move on. You saw them in the early stages. You supported them in the early stages and you actually like that part of of i won't call it sport but like mm-hmm. you love that part of it like i can sit here and tell you stories for days about playing euchre on the bus with logan couture covering the 67s and you know travis konechny was one of the guys i knew the best and hung out with them on the bus all the time watching those guys grow into national hockey league players and really good national hockey league players and seeing their success later on part of the the fun is watching them learn and make mistakes and kind of growing with them in the junior hockey realm Mm -hmm. well same thing for a territory that is the goal of a territory for me that would define success when people first of all are people coming to watch and be part of your intimate environment because you're making them feel like they want to come back as customers, right? If you buy a ticket to C4 and you leave, even if you can't make the next show, do you want to come back and be a part of that culture? Right. So if the answer is yes, you've done part of it. And are you actually making people accountable so that 
and, and are they learning so that they're moving on and when they get to the next stage, they're also having success. Now that can come with an athlete like Mike Bailey seemed like that guy was going to be successful no matter what, cause he's an awesome athlete, mm -hmm. but, but can the territory be a place that they can hone their craft and move on? And when you look back at some of the, the past champions of C4, right, they're all successful. They're all in all these companies and you go, yeah, they're, they're, they're ours. They're homegrown. We cheer for them. That's part of it too. And are people coming to a territory to be successful when they move on? Now, sometimes that just depends on the individual. They might have every opportunity to be successful and they leave the territory and they're not because of their own downfall. But can you look at the territory and go, when the people left, where'd they go? And did they like are more successful than not because they took bigger. So that's the success of a territory to me. Do I think that that could happen? Well, I'm, I'm, it's a nice segue, isn't it? To welcoming our next, our next guest. Well, look, who's decided to join us now, Zach, like uh, hasn't been here for months and decides, you know what? I'll just pop in when I want to, you know what? He can, he's part of the show. Tanner Ryle. Tanner, it is great to have you back on the program. You see, no introduction of the intern or former intern, just part of the show of This Is Wrestling. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Lee. And, you know, soon I might have the same uh, position pointed out to me by Chris Holsky as, uh, as Daniel Alfredson with the Ottawa Senators. So, you know, I can't wait to put the, the Daniel Alfredson of This Is Wrestling in my Twitter bio as the executive vice president of talent development. But yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Coming off a good weekend with some some C4 wrestling, some less good Senators hockey. So I'm glad that this is a, a wrestling podcast and not a Senators podcast. But well, we're going to get into always going to get into Alex to bring it right away. But I figure we'll save that conversation. And that you know what? That's a really interesting thought about your new title and there was about 98 percent of me that's just that the light bulb went on in, in my head and i'm like man this is awesome except for the fact that chris holsky suggested it now i'm i, I think i'm out <laughs> see i i figured that would be a crucial name either chris holsky or steve bunda making the suggestion and then that's when it really uh the ball is dropped well but th and that's the thing that people like tanner and everybody has to learn it's like come with these great ideas i don't care if you call them your own if i don't know that chris holsky told you don't mention the guy like if i if, if i don't know that steve bunda ever existed in the world like don't mention him it's your idea it's your great thoughts tanner it's always good to have you we'll talk uh some other stuff uh coming up with you in a minute but as you said we'll we will come up with a title you provide some of the insight and analysis as you were at the last uh, C4 show that happened on Friday night at the Preston Event Center. We can't wait to hear um, all about it. Uh, why don't you start with, I like to kind of start backwards and at least present the fact of, let's start with the main event and some of the figures in it, and then we'll work backwards from there. For sure, for sure. Um, just real quick, I got to give a shout out to the whole like local scene because they really brought it this weekend. I mean, we had C4 Friday night. We had um, Acclaim running on Saturday, I believe. We had Mystery on Sunday. I think Seaway was running this weekend. Just really great to see all these guys mm -hmm. coming out, all the promotions in Ottawa really putting us on the map because we still don't get talked about enough when it comes to, to great wrestling cities. So 
really great to see that. I know a lot of our guys are also going um, across the, the ocean and uh, wrestling in Europe. Uh, McCray Martin's already there, a couple of C4 regulars. So do us proud, and uh, it's great to see it. But anyways, yes, the main event, a six-man tag team match. Big stipulation going into this one in regards to the next C4 event. Uh, but the teams were Evil Uno, Junior Benito, and Stu Grayson taking on Kevin Blackwood and Miracle Generation, a tag team I was unfamiliar with going into it, but they're the current um, IWTV tag team champions, Blackwood the C4 champion, um, six-man tag match. And the stipulation was if Benito's team won, he would get a shot at the C4 championship next month. But if Blackwood's team won, he would not be allowed to challenge for the C4 championship for the next year. Oh, <laughs> we should invoke stipulations like that of guests on This Is Wrestling. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love the stipulation. And, you know, before we go any further, Zach, and I know maybe we'll talk uh, a little bit after we go through the C4 card, but boy, Tanner's right on the the so much talent going around this area. And I think you were at Seaway. Um, I, I know you've been up to uh, Ottawa to, to do some other stuff as well. There's just so many good things happening uh, in this area. And it's it's great that not only is it happening, but that it gets well represented by the people that are coming out to see the shows, which is so important. Um, just a, an incredible talent. You're right, Tanner. We, we don't here in the local area get enough credit for what is going on. Um, and even to have a match like this, like the fact that Junior Benito's teaming with those two guys is, I think, incredible to, to be in the main event. So tell us about the match here. Uh, what happened? And please tell me that Junior Benito is going to get the challenge for a title in less than, less than a year. Or is that not the case? I mean, I can give you that right off the top. Um, C4 has already posted the graphic, but yes, Junior Benito, his team was victorious and they will be challenging, or he will be challenging, I should say, uh, for the C4 championship next month on November 24th at their 16th anniversary show, C4 16 Candles. That's a movie, Zach, that you probably have never heard of in your life because you, no. you know. I only watch wrestling, Lee. That's that's all I consume. No other yeah. forms of media. Yeah. Well, Tr Trent and Golden Hawks, and I'm sure they're like yes. 0 and 11 starts, really inspiring to. They're 12 and four. What are you oh. talking about? They're at the top. They're the top ten in the CJHL rankings. Where are those? Uh, where's the CCHL teams? I think the Smith Falls Bears are in there, but otherwise, Trent and Golden Hawks, baby, they're off to a good start. I just figured with you calling the games, it would be one of those jinxes that mm. you wouldn't wouldn't be able to to get around okay so what about the match tanner did you like the match oh yeah it was, it was amazing i think to be expected with the talent in there i was really impressed with miracle generation really enjoyed them as a tag team uh they were a lot quicker it reminded me almost like of of like the young bucks or the rascals one of those smaller but but faster teams um so good to see them getting in there um blackwood phenomenal as always we've talked so much about the amazing matches he's had in his reign and then evil uno Stu, Stu grayson two of the building blocks of c4 that have been here forever and benito is just they've got something really special with him he is this white hot baby face the crowd is so firmly behind him i i don't even want to think about what would happen next month if he's not to capture the title and uh, what that reaction in the preston might be because uh, I think Blackwood might be walking into uh, 
into the ECW arena in Philadelphia like John Cena a couple of decades ago. Oh, good reference. That, that that's a reference that pops lever stage for sure. That's right. The ECW as as arena. He, yeah. Yeah. I, as soon as I heard Tanner say ECW arena, I was like, oh, lever stage has been taken back to 1996 or this Bing, came, you know, 2006. Go, bingo hall. Let's go. <laughs> but, but, uh, Blackwood's still on his whole, you know, Buffalo, New York is superior than Ottawa charade. He's got Haley Dillon as his manager. Um, she actually wrestled a three-way earlier in the night and Blackwood got involved to get her the win. Um, so the numbers game playing a little bit into it there. They they really kept Blackwood and Benito away from each other for the majority of the match and had them wrestle other people. Uh, Stu Grayson and Kevin Blackwood really went at it, which I, I really enjoyed that because they had that 60-minute time limit draw uh, around a year or so ago that we never got to see the rematch from. So it's really cool to see them getting at each other. Uh, but once they did finally do it, I'd say like three-quarters of the way through the match, the crowd was hot i mean these guys they clobbered each other um they went at it uh, it was your usual like six-man tag match with the guys rotating in and out uh kind of getting out of control as c4 usually does with everybody in the ring and everybody trading their finishers uh benito pretty well had him pinned at one point but Haley dylan got involved and the the numbers game was catching up but in the end i believe it was blackwood that was actually pinned by benito as well taking all of the finishers from both um, the dark order and then benito in the end um getting pinned and there you have it there's our main event for next month benito versus blackwood okay well let's get into it right now uh with both of you right now instantly in my head i'm booking blackwood over benito mm -hmm. coming up in november would you both do the same it's definitely crossed my my mind. I, I could see them doing that. We saw it last year with uh, TDT and Twiggy kind of getting the the one up on them a couple of times, but I, I could see it. I, I wouldn't mind them doing that if maybe it leads to an Iron Man or some right. sort of stipulation match further down the line. But yeah, I wouldn't be against it. Uh, I agree with you, Lee. I would also book uh, Blackwood going over Junior Benito. I think there's still more growth. Uh, for for Junior, he's really blossomed uh, a lot in the last uh, couple of years, uh, growing as a talent. Obviously, the the way that they've pushed him in C4 has been really well done, starting off in the undercards and then working his way up the card. He had that big feud last season, and now this season he's uh, getting more of a, a, a spotlight, a more of a focus, and I think it just makes sense to try to extend this as much as they can. Obviously, you know, um, Tanner mentioned it's the 16th anniversary of C4. What better way to crown, you know, 16 years of C4 than starting off a new generation of, of C4 wrestling with Junior Benito. Um, but I think there's uh, some great long-term uh, play here in Junior taking the loss, whether it be shenanigans, whether it just be a clean loss, um, and just continue to have him build and grow and he would be a bigger star if they would have a rematch, I would I would think. So I think it makes sense for Blackwood to get the victory at the next show. It I almost seems... Sorry, Tanner. It just almost seems to me um, that having Benito get absolutely screwed at this event and with some of the things that might be in his way, if you don't... It would be like to me, Zach... That, you know, the proper build, the proper way to get Cody Rhodes to WrestleMania 40, you know, is to lose at WrestleMania 39. You understand about how great a, a way that is to build somebody up and their story over the course. Same thing with Benito here, right? Like, 
<laughs> get, I know get, what you're trying to do here, Lee. You're trying to get me all riled up. No. Maybe me back to WrestleMania 39. The difference between Benito is that I still think there's still room to grow with Benito in terms of his star power. Cody Rhodes already came in as a top guy. How much more did Rhodes need to get to grow as a top guy in order to finally get the victory? But I'm not going to open up that can of worms again. Otherwise, I'm just going to lose more hair. But uh, I feel like there's also a segment there with riled up with Tanner at some point. <laughs> that's true. I think I think that's uh, I think that's a money segment in the future. But yeah, uh, but no, in, in the difference between that and, and in this case is that Junior is still growing as a performer. He's still very young in his career. I actually kind of equate it more to when uh, Okada was kind of being brought into New Japan Pro Wrestling. He challenged Tanahashi. Um, and that was his big rival in the 2010s was he was not able to beat Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. And then finally uh, was able to, after many years of build and build, um, I could see something similar with Junior where they just continue to slowly build him, not p- force him into a prime spot wh- right away. Because one of the things I am with a lot of these younger towns, like we also talk about London Lightning a lot, is you don't want to push them too quickly. You want to be able to have them grow into their role. And I think what C4 has done with Junior has been really well done. Um, and McCray Martin as well. I think they've really understood and identified those talents and said, let's not rush into things. We can get a bigger star if we take our time with the with with these performers. And I think that's going to be the same here for London Lightning. Now, he had a big match, as Tanner will tell us about on the show. But I think there's still more time for Junior to grow and to get better as a performer. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, yeah, I was poking fun at you a little bit, Zach. But, um, boy, if you had Benito get screwed and, like, really screwed and then sort of built him up or he, he had to get a little bit to the back of the line or Blackwood had to throw some people in front of him, that you could really have this this build up as long as you don't stretch it out too far, this coronation of, it's finally going to be time for Benito to win and everyone's going to be there. And you have this massive, massive kind of celebration after the fact that you know how much he's had to persevere on this level at the, at the title level to be able to go through another set of circumstances to finally get that. And maybe you wait until the end of the season, maybe you wait until the summer and then and then you finally were kind of everybody knows, okay, this is his time. And you're going to get this kind of wild turnout. I think if you're able to build it up more, uh, I don't know that I'd be giving it to him now, just because I see the potential of what is possible for him down the line. You're going to give it to him, right? Uh, like we, we all agree with that. You're going to give it to him. It's just yes. a matter of when and how that you're going to give it to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, doing it this quickly this year. And I know he's like built up a lot in C4, but it just seems like this is another set of circumstances he could go through. Would you agree with that, Tanner? Yeah, totally. I mean, first thing, like Benito's so young. There's there's so much time. I think he's maybe 21, 22 years old, something like that. So there's no pressure there. And I think that's another thing working in C4's favor this time when they need to crown a new champion is that there isn't any pressure to do so right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just when you look with before Blackwood, the champions were Speedball Mike Bailey, uh, Daniel Garcia, and Josh Alexander. And, you know, where are all of those guys now? They're all yeah. wrestling in Impact, AEW, what, what you have it. And uh, Blackwood isn't in that position right now. So 
he's not someone that it's like, okay, if we don't drop the title here, we're not going to get Blackwood back for six months or something like that when the schedule aligns. So I think that's certainly working in their favor. Uh, it's a really good point. And um, he's just a great, I'd hate to call him a transitional, but maybe the right time, right place guy in Kevin Blackwood. And, and he would know too, right? Like he would want to be somewhere else in another year, but right now he's sort of at the the peak of his game. So I, I think all of that with, you know, the advice of, of Uno and Stu Grayson and some of the top guys there, they're going to handle him properly. And it feels like, you know, they're on their way to be able to do it. All right. Well, uh, you mentioned that uh, Haley Dillon got a win. Why don't you go there next? Yeah. Uh, fairly standard triple threat match. It was, Haley Dillon taking on Kristara, who's kind of stepped up alongside, I'd say, Alexi Nicole is like the, the most prominently featured female wrestler in C4. I believe she came in in a tag team, but has really been um, doing well for herself ever since. And then Miley, who was making her debut. I was completely unfamiliar with her going in. Uh, but yeah, uh, Lackwood blatantly getting involved while the referee was turned and nailing a finisher on, I think it was Miley and Haley Dillon basically just walking in and pinning her uh, while Cristara was on the outside watching. So sneaky heel victory. Um, did more to, I think, elevate Blackwood than anything. And uh, maybe we see Dillon start to, to slide up against, uh, maybe, maybe there's a one-on-one match there with Cristara, maybe when Alexia Nicole comes back. But uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, uh, do you agree? Go ahead, Zach. I was just going to say, you were mentioning uh, Miley. She's somebody that... Uh, came from Southern Ontario, has been booked a lot uh, for Smash. Um, and usually she does stuff with uh, Books and Looks, who I think were also on the card. Um, and so, uh, yeah, she's one of the growing names on the uh, independent scene. Okay, let's start back after the, the semi-main event was what? We had the Terry and Gibson Memorial Tag Team Tournament uh, taking place kind of throughout the evening. Uh, so it's in memory of Steven's wife, who I believe is one of the C4 sort of co-founders uh, who yes. passed away a couple of years ago. I think this is the third annual Tag Memorial Tournament. Um, so they structured it where there were two four-way matches. One of them opened, and I believe one went went uh, into the intermission, and then the finals taking place in uh, the semi-main event spot right before the, the big six-man there. Um, so the first one that opened the show, uh, the four teams, we had Joshua Bishop and Lufisto, uh, Pretty Ricky Wildy and Puff, the reigning C4 tag champs. And then it was supposed to be TDT, but uh, Thomas Dubois had to pull out at the last second. So they slotted uh, Ben Tull into that spot with Matthew St-Jacques. And uh, he actually had to get pulled from another match, which we'll get to in a moment. And then uh, the Philly Marino experience in there. Um, so pretty solid range of tag teams, mostly C4 regulars in there. Uh, Joshua Bishop and Puff, I got to give a big shout out to them because Puff just speared the absolute hell out of bishop through the signature door of course uh when it comes to c4 but it was your usual sort of everyone everywhere in the arena you turn your head and one guy's flying out of the ring and then there's two guys fighting up by the merch stand it's it's chaos it's what you get when you come to c4 mm -hmm. uh, but it was tdt that picked up the win here for the heels early on uh zach's best friend twiggy of course getting involved that damn twiggy he's just really good eh, zach like no. you really can't say much more to like the guy is just involved in the right places at the right time yeah yeah i i'm, I'm sure he is one of the, the greatest heels in professional wrestling history okay let's slow down there let's 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 slow down there okay 
that 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 guy Twiggy. He's he's you lucky know, I, I don't show up at the C four shows. I, you know? I I trust Tanner. If Tanner says that that's the case, he must be watching a lot of WWE, and there's not much to cheer for in there. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, Tanner says so. I believe him. For sure. I'm, and, I'm, I would hope a team lever uh, member would believe a, a fellow team lever member. I mean, okay, that so, would, that would send some distrust in the team. I, I wouldn't want that to happen. So you did hear me where I said, I trust him. I, and and that was it. There was I'm, no, like there was nothing between Tanner yeah. and I there. And other than you going, Oh, I hope they would. Well, yeah, we did. Cause I said so. Well, well, well yeah. It. Well, I was just confirming what you said. Now you're a little hostile and now I am a little concerned. So it's, I mean, uh, you know, I just, to I be just fair, like Twiggy does hold a pinfall victory over junior Benito last season. So, <laughs> Oh, I see how it is. I see wow. How it is. Zach with no comeback. Other than, oh, I see how it is. Good comeback, Zach. <laughs> yeah, uh, two against one. I would hope one of you would be able to get a comeback. Yeah, on okay, so everything that you've hoped for so far has actually come true and happened. Yeah. Just so you know, the Tanner yeah. and I are tight. We we trust and believe in each other, and yeah. you had no comeback for what Tanner said to you. I'm, All confident, you in my, I, I'm confident in my decision-making. It sounds like you're just a little bit hostile. That's all I'm saying. You did hear yourself on commentary last week at Broadhead Brewery? I did. You're still, you're still confident? Barely, but yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Tanner, let's uh, let's keep going here through the card. Yeah, for sure. On to the other side of the tournament. Uh, the four-way was James Stone and Vanessa Craven. Um, Stone kind of had a new thing coming into this one of a chant where he'd uh, kind of point to himself with his thumb and go, me, and try and get the, ca- the crowd going uh, over and over with that. But they started going, you, you, you. Um, yeah. So it was kind of cool. I like James Stone. I think he doesn't get his flowers nearly enough for for the area. I know he's involved with the keep, but has like produced guys like Benito and McCray Martin. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big James Stone guy. But uh, we had uh, Violence is Forever, of course, fan favorites in C4. Uh, the Bay City Choir Boys, um, new to me going into this, as well as Books and Looks. Another one um, that I I quite enjoyed. I'm not sure which one is which, but there's Michael Grayson and Rodney Matthews. But whichever one is called Books is similar to Orange Cassidy, but instead of putting his hands in his pocket, he reads a book while he wrestles the match, uh, which was promptly snatched by James Stone and thrown out of the ring and stomped on and whatnot. Well, that's, that's rude. You're trying to learn and wrestle at the same time, and people are getting in the way of that? Someone started chanting that he couldn't read, and that's why he took it away, and <laughs> that started wow. going on. But... <laughs> Poor books. I think that's uh, Michael Grayson, who is books, and I think Rodney Matthews is looks. But yeah, really entertaining tag team. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Who would be uh, books and looks between us, Zach? I think I'd be both. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lee's got to be looks for sure. Yeah, well, I... Lee, like, well, Lee doesn't have his webcam on, so it can't be looks. Uh, so I think I will go with looks for now since I have my webcam on. You want to ah, there we that? go. You want to change that sex? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. That's about all you get. Uh, or it could be looks because he looks like Hornswoggle. Oh, stop it. I'm not. Oh, it's a good point by you. All I'm right. not Hornswoggle. But uh, that is a team to keep an eye out on, though, uh, Books and Looks. Uh, they are uh, one of those teams that have been starting to get a lot more bookings, no pun intended, recently. So, Yeah, I think just uh, based on the last match's results, it was a little bit easier to predict this one going into it because obviously they're not going to have TDT versus James Stone and Vanessa Craven as kind of the final for a tag memorial tournament. Uh, right. So Violence is Forever. Uh, 
took the win there with their usual tag team maneuver and uh, booked their ticket to the finals. Okay, so let's get to the finals. For sure. We got to stop at one match before we get to there just because there's a bit of context going into the finals. But uh, the Monster Brawl no-holds-barred match. It was supposed to be Isaiah Broner versus uh, Ben Tull before he was pulled and placed into the, the tag team tournament matchup there. So it was Isaiah Broner versus Twiggy's hand-picked Halloween monster. And hey. it turned out to be Frankie the monster, um, someone I'm unfamiliar with going into this. I guess he had been on about a two-year absence uh, from C4, so I just missed out onto him uh, when I started watching the promotion. Um, to me, he looked like he had the physique of Brian Cage in the sense of like so many abs that I couldn't even count, but also sort of looked like Braun Strowman with the longer beard and the the sort of energy he had. Um, Zach, I'm not sure if you're able to speak to his C4 past a little bit better than I can. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Frankie used to be uh, a staple at C4 for a while. I believe, if I've got my uh, info correct, I believe he's uh, uh, Kevin Owens' son's godfather, I think, as well. Like, they're very close. Um, but... Uh, Frankie the Mobster is has been a longtime independent guy, going all the way back to the 2000s. Uh, he was part of some of those early CZW matches, um, and uh, he's been a stalwart in in Quebec wrestling as well. I've called a couple of his matches, and he's always somebody that uh, uh, I don't know if if this was the case uh, at the C4 show, but he always brings a snake to the ring as well, kind of like Jake Snake Roberts. Uh, one time they uh, he had lost the snake, and they had to try and find it in the building which was a whole ordeal. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, he's a big dude and he really knows how to do character work. Um, I, I mentioned, I've, I've talked with him in the past. He's always talked about his inspirations being like Roddy Piper and the big uh, character wrestlers. And so I would imagine that kind of carried over as well. Uh, for sure. I'm going to point out, I think the character work is really what uh, stood out to me. Uh, just first of all, I mean, this guy's big enough that he stands up to Broner. He's bigger than Broner, and Broner's a, a big guy. Wow. Um, <laughs> so the, the, my favorite part of the match was fairly early on, the two of them just, uh, you know, having a hoss fight, big meaty men slapping meat, as we like to say, just going at it in the ring. And uh, Broner got him a couple of good times, and, and he just kind of like backed off and like yelled, God damn it. And then like, <laughs> plugged one of his nostrils and shot snot like halfway across the ring and (laughs) it was quite something but yeah wow a mucus missile or something like what yeah he did it like twice during the match but the character work was pretty great um he and broner were just teeing off on each other they got a door involved in the match um with broner's face put uh painted onto it and uh, Broner did end up, I believe, going through it after Twiggy and TDT got, got involved. And uh, Frankie was able to pick up the win, uh, grabbed the mic afterwards and said that, you know, he's been gone for two years, but that's never going to happen again. He's back in C4. So maybe we're looking at a rematch next month or some sort of a multi-man thing. But it seems he's completely aligned now with the Twiggy and TDT's little faction. Nice. And we should point out, Zach, that uh, our good friend uh, Charles Gorman yes. uh, w- was able to send us some really nice pictures, including ones of all the doors that were made. And uh, as he said, one didn't get a chance to be used, but uh, a really, really cool one of Isaiah Broner. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's 
and that goes back to uh, one of our longtime listeners, Tim Titus, who uh, does all the doors uh, for C4, really nice guy. And uh, he also did the doors as well for Seaway Valley and Cornwall Saturday. Um, but he's he's somebody that uh, every C4 show you go to, he'll be there. Uh, same with uh, Charles. And uh, he's uh, he's he's one of the one of the good guys in the wrestling industry. That's for sure. Yeah, those doors are pretty cool um, and kind of a staple now, right? At at the events, which is, uh, I think, just awesome. Some of the work that goes into them is crazy. Yeah. Um, and just so well done. So uh, we can't plug that enough. All right, Tanner, where are we here on the card? We're coming up to the Tag Memorial Tournament Finals, TDT, Violence is Forever. I think it was pretty easy to pick these two out as kind of the favorites going into it. You've got probably the hottest babyface tag team in the promotion, I guess, aside from Puff and Pretty Ricky. Um, and then TDT, obviously, the big hated heels, especially last season with them running rough shot basically over, over everyone and that whole cage war that kind of capped off last season. Um, so I think it made sense to have these two tag teams going after each other. Uh, you got the the tough Frenchman in, in uh, TDT versus the, I don't even know what you want to call them, the strong style, like striking ability of violence is forever. Um, going after each other, it was a tough matchup, a lot of really stiff spots. They were all over the arena. And of course, Frankie the Monster, Quiggy getting involved. Uh, but Broner came down and made the save. TDT were, or sorry, violence is forever, VIF, were able to hit their finisher and uh, win the tag memorial tournament for 2023. Very nice. I'm sure got a pretty nice ovation. Pretty nice ovation. Yeah. And Steven came in and handed them the trophy. And I, I know a VIF are going on Twitter saying that, you know, they might be the best tag team in the history of C4, two-time champs now, a tag tournament winner. It's getting pretty hard to uh, to argue that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, except for the fact that Twiggy didn't help, you know, his team win. Other than that, it sounded like a good good time. All right, let's get through a couple <laughs> of these other ones quickly. Yeah, we got to get to a friend of the show there, London Lightning. Yes. Had an excellent showing. So he took on Amir Jordan. Uh, didn't click for me at the time where I remembered him from, but he was with, uh, he's a British wrestler who's kind of been doing a tour of Canada and hitting up a bunch of promotions. Uh, but I, I remember watching him in Defiant slash uh, What Culture Pro uh, a couple of years ago. And he was also with NXT UK, which didn't click to me until I, I got home. But really quick matchup between these two um, in the sense like fast paced. A lot of high flying, a bit of mat wrestling where they kind of did the spot where you take turns doing the roll ups in very different creative ways. Uh, but London Lightning was, he was something else. Um, he got the win here with a spine buster that I think would make Triple H blush. Mm, it wow. was, it was a thing of beauty. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think he's going to get slotted in maybe into the spot where we saw Junior Benito like one or two years ago where he's the baby face that they're going to put up against these guys that are coming in to kind of build him up. And then who knows, maybe we're looking at a, a future C4 champion who's taking down uh, the next generation of Kevin Blackwood. He looked that good to you. Eh? That's awesome. Yeah, I was very impressed. I think C4 knows what they have with him as well because they gave him that big Iron Man spot in the, the Rumble two months ago at Fighting Back. Um, and then he's had a couple of these showcase matches as well. I, I think they know what they've got and they've got something special with, with London lightning. Yeah. And, and that's also the talk in the industry as well. Uh, locally that uh, London is going to be something. Uh, so obviously they're, they're pushing him uh, at C4, that big signals match against Samir Jordan. Um, it'll be really cool to kind of see his development because I feel I believe he's still only 19 or 20. So 
there's still plenty of time with him. And again, like what we were mentioning with Junior Benito, you don't want to rush it with his development. You want to kind of do a slow burn with him so that he can, uh, you can maximize his potential um, and uh, put him in there with good opponents and uh, giving him some time. And uh, he's somebody that, from what I've talked to, is also uh, confident in his abilities as well. So, mm-hmm. um, as as we've talked uh, as well, Lee. So, um, yeah, he's going to be, he really is going to be something. Uh, and really, it kind of goes back to the training at the keep because there are some really good wrestlers coming out of the keep as well that uh, are getting some more bookings um, as the year goes along. So uh, it's, it's really cool to see this influx of talent coming through the system. Well, that's the whole idea, right? Of what a successful uh, school like the keep can be, because you're supposed to, when you're working out and practicing, whatever you're supposed to be going up against people that are better than you. Right. It's like, in football, like let's just say, I know we follow Dallas and their defense could be better at some points, but they got a good defense. Yep. So it's like if your offense in practice is going up against that every day, then you would hope that you're going to get better as an offense. And I kind of see the same thing, you know, happening at the keep. There's so many good people at that place. Yeah, you can go and have your showcase matches and, and wrestle in different promotions, but it's probably tougher and harder when you get back to the school, right? Yep. And get back to taking on these guys all the time. Like that's where you're, that's where you're going to learn. So uh, just an incredible thing, I think, built up by, by, you know, Grayson and, and Uno and the people at the keep is just, it's, it's been remarkable. So, all right, Tanner, let's finish off uh, the card here. Yeah, for sure. I think there's just two other matches we could talk about. Uh, the IW, IWTV, uh, IWTV, I'm going to try that one more time, a uh, four-way matchup for the title. Uh, Alec Price defending against Gringo Loco, um, Young Jay Lee, and Ichiban. Um, Alec Price, I've seen him wrestle, I think, two or three times now at C4, and uh, he's one that I, I really do enjoy. He's a great heel. Uh, first of all, comes out wearing a Boston Bruins jersey and uh, flipping off the crowd and telling us about how much better Boston is than Ottawa. Uh, but he's got this energy. Does that, does that get a lot of heat, or do people go, yeah, that's true? That was a fair bit. There was a couple yeah. of guys holding up like a Montreal Canadian sweater in one of the back rows and such. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, it may not just be uh, relegated to Ottawa. I'm sure Leafs and Habs fans aren't too fond of Boston either. So, No, Leafs fans are really happy about Boston these days. <laughs> um, all right, but that's, I like that. For sure. And he's, he's got this energy too. He flies around the ring. He's very intense. I mean, that's probably the best word to describe him. And then I could go on forever about Gringo Loco. We all know what he's been doing in yeah. AEW and Ring of Honor and such. Young Jay Lee, another one of those young up-and-comers um, in C4 with uh, London Lightning, Junior Benito, those sort of talents. Um, then Ichiban, I believe it was the first time he's wrestled there. I think it was a debut. Yeah, he's your typical luchador, a lot of high-flying sort of stuff. Uh, I believe it was him and Gringo Loco that did a pretty sick-looking uh, Spanish fly from the top rope. Um, but Alec Price did go in there and uh, retain his uh, IWTV uh, championship. There Very you go. good. I, I figure I, I want to mention this to you, Lee, because I think you'll get a kick out of it. I don't know if you saw Gringo Loco's tweet uh, after the show. I don't know if you saw it either, Tanner, but um, Gringo Loco tweeted out. He said, I feel old. I mentioned Danny Doring and roadkill to multiple young cats in the C4 wrestling locker room last night. And uh-huh. not one of them, and not one of them knew who I was talking about. No, I know. I know. Oh my God. And, that, and you know what's funnier? Me. 
hurts me to my core. And, and you know what's oh. even funnier, Lee? I was looking at a tweet and I'm like, oh, I bet you it's Junior Benito that that doesn't know. And I scrolled down further. The first reply is Junior Benito saying, I'm sorry, bro. So. I mean, I'll, I'll interject here and I'll, I'll say I have no idea what you guys are talking about. And I'm, uh, about, no. I'm 22, so I think I'm about Benito's age as well. Oh, no. Yeah, but all all you and Benito and, and Junior, I hope you're listening to this because all we do is give you your flowers and tell you how great you are. Beef up on your history. Beef <laughs> up on the, the people that came before you that made promotions like Danny Doring and Roadkill and ECW. Oh, my God. I knew that would get you, Lee. Tanner. I, I I love you like a brother. Beef up on your history, okay? <laughs> Go back and watch ECW, the greatest wrestling promotion in the time that it had. If you go back, and for people who are listening to this, if you haven't done so already, go back to when basically Shane Douglas threw the NWA belt down after it beat Too Cold Scorpio and declared himself the ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling Champion. If you watch from that point on, even into like 90, I'd say 97, 98, after that it started to get a little bit where they they got a little bit too big and then they went to TNN and it just didn't, it didn't click. It wasn't their, their prime was in that 95, 96 Time where it was just incredible. And I know that we can go through and I can tell you about the promos of Steve Austin and Mick Foley and, you know, Taz and Sabu and Raven and Dreamer and all those guys. But the, some of the people that, that made up that promotion were the guys in the BWO and Danny Doring and Roadkill and the little Guido and the FBI. And there are so many people that ended up propping up that promotion. Please go back if you haven't and just watch it. It is a, it's an absolute clinic. Imagine, you know, Paul Heyman in his prime deciding to start a promotion from scratch and you can do anything you want. You can have, you know, Jericho and Malenko and Guerrero go after each other and throw in Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera and then come out with the Sandman and Dreamer and Raven and then have the Gangsters and the Dudley Boys and Taz and Sabu. Like, it just goes, it, it was literally the promotion, and I know I'm going on here, but it's the promotion that paved the way for everybody else because it was a legit wrestling fans dream because they had 10 matches on their card and every single one of them was so different and the talent level was incredible they could do what they want with music unfortunately they could do way too much with violence uh they would never get away with it at the time but that's all paul Heyman did hey you know what? we'll ask forgiveness later but let's just go and do this i'm telling you it's three or four years of one of the greatest things you've ever seen. And uh, I'll throw this in as well for you, Tanner. At one point, Roadkill, uh, according to Bruce Pritchard, so you can take it with a grain of salt, but Roadkill was supposed to be one of the opponents for The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Now, it obviously did not end up happening. I don't think Roadkill ever made it to the main roster in WWE, but uh, 
he was much more known for his tag team with Danny Doring and being the final tag team champs in the ECW. So there you go. Yeah, this is where you say, I'll go back and watch because I trust you guys. This is <laughs> this is what you say. All right, yeah, I'll get right on it right when we're out of here, boys. Okay. ECW TV number one, when it's Eastern Championship Wrestling. We want a full review. Not when it's Eastern. I just said not when it's Eastern. <laughs> There's, the Eastern, there's some underrated stuff in Eastern. Yeah, but, you, know, but you have to watch ECW ex, Extreme Championship Wrestling. Exactly. Yes. All right, finish this off, Tanner. Yeah, for sure. I think the only one we missed out on, I think, was the semi-opener, which is a three-way matchup. Uh, Cecil Nix, C4 regular. Uh, Jesse V, another regular in uh, the Locked and Loaded tag team. And uh, Derek Dillinger, I believe, was another uh, newcomer, big heel wrestler. Uh, but anyway, Cecil Nix pulled it out. He's been one of the crowd favorites for a long time. He's local guy he's been here forever but i uh, kind of just a feel-good way to open the show sort of for cecil nicks okay so so what do we got coming up at 16 candles i'll explain the movie to zach later for sure uh november 24th at the preston uh 6 30 doors 7 30 showtime and uh yeah the main event as far as we know junior benito versus kevin blackwood for the c4 championship okay i i actually can't wait for it so uh, I'm going to have to get my butt there uh, and, and, and go. That's something that would drag me in. I would love to see that and love to see how they're going to book it, how they're going to do it. But that it feels like a big time match. And I think that's when you build up your promotion and build it up, then that's what you want. You want things to feel kind of big time when you finally get there. So good for them. I, I think it's awesome that they're continuing to build okay tanner you got one thing that's on your mind in the world of professional wrestling is it tna do you even know what tna is or do you just know what impact is uh I, i'm not sure if you even know that kind of stuff being as young as you are i'm just asking um you know you probably are going to tell us that the bloodline story is amazing so um I feel like I'm turning on Tanner here. I probably shouldn't. Uh yeah, I'm well, just gonna let you talk and continue what, on. It's great. What's what's sticking in your craw, Tanner, in the world of professional wrestling? I mean, yeah, the, the TNA thing is pretty cool. I, I do know about TNA. Uh, thank you for that. But uh <laughs> I'm yeah, just you're making me you're making Tanner, me feel even younger than I am here. I'm <laughs> just me I'm just letting him establish himself, Zach. It's a it's a trick we do in the business. You wouldn't know. Uh, we we end up doing this a little bit to each other to make the kind of pump it up and make each other a little bit better at the end for sure uh but yeah i think i think the tna thing's kind of cool i mean it's, it's obviously a nostalgia thing i think a lot of the fans have been calling for it i don't think it's going to drastically change the promotion in any sort of way i think impact wrestling's doing pretty well for themselves right now i mean they're getting some big stars in there just had osprey back and whatnot uh but i don't think a name change is really going to send them into the upper stratosphere. I've heard some talk that maybe they're going to start running some bigger venues. I think if that holds to be true, I think that could really be something. So I think we'd, we'd love to get some more shows around here and in the bigger arenas and whatnot. So uh, if that's true, I, I hope it is. That's, that's pretty awesome. Tanner, it's always good to have you on the program, my friend. And uh, hopefully we'll even see you down there at 16 candles. Um, we'll celebrate your birthday and the, the birthday of, of C4. That's how old you are, right? Yeah, it's all my my birthday's in April, but I guess we can celebrate a little bit earlier. <laughs> all right. All right. Always great to have you and your insight uh here on the program. So we thank you very much for that. Thank you guys. All right, there goes Tanner and uh, boy, it's been a long edition of This is Wrestling Zach and we didn't even get to a bunch of stuff 
that's happened saying collision battle of the belts i know that you are really okay can I, i'm gonna throw this out there i'm a big AEW fan i love AEW. are you starting to get concerned about them moving around the country and drawing three thousand every night and four thousand for tv shows and tapings and everything else because i kind of thought it was a hey they're only in hamilton and hamilton we don't even get collision and we don't get all of this stuff right and they're going to places around the country where i don't know if you saw that other shot of sting making his announcement that he was going to retire and it looked great from one camera angle and the other camera angle that showed the hard cam side there was not a soul there yeah, yeah and there was about three thousand people i think 3500 whatever it was but that's pretty much what they're drawing these days yeah it's uh just kind of tough sledding for AEW right now uh in terms of attendance wise i i'm I'm definitely looking at these attendance numbers and thinking, "Oi, this is uh, their their storylines right now are not hitting." Um, I know people will say, "Oh, well, they're they should lower the ticket prices and whatever," and that only does so much. Uh, people will go to your shows when it's good, uh, and you look at what's going on with Taylor Swift right now in terms of like her tour and how it's just like people are willing to spend thousands and thousands of dollars for Taylor Swift tickets. I know it's different because it's wrestling, but my point is, is that there's a demand there and there's clearly not as much of a demand for dynamite or a, or the AEW product in general, as there was back in 2021 and the early parts of 2022. Um, I think personally, my assessment is, is sure. I'm, I, I think ticket prices may play a factor, but it's not as big of a factor as people are making it out to be. I think these storylines are just not as uh, impacting uh, wrestling fans as, as much as they used to. Um, and I think the matches we're getting on dynamites and the presentation on, on dynamite and collision, um, they've really shifted away from their presentation style that got them to the dance a couple of years ago and got them hot. Um, it's why I've been very vocal on the MJF stuff with the Adam Cole, because I could see that shift going in as well as the Tony storm stuff. So I, it's it's starting to turn into promotion that I don't recognize. There's still very good matches on there. Like the Jay White Pentagon match uh, was really fun on Dynamite last week. Um, and uh, they're still doing stuff that, that I would recognize from the old Tony Khan, like Mystico versus Rocky Romero. Uh, they put on Rampage. And I was there watching it. Like I, I wanted to see how Mystico would do uh, in that environment back in, in the States for the first time since being Sin Cara. Um, and, and wrestling his style that he would usually do in arena Mexico. But then there's other things in AEW there. Again, the MJF stuff, uh, the MJF, Adam Cole stuff, the, the Tony storm stuff, and just some of the presentation stuff that they do as well. It's just very similar to WWE. And I've been saying it for the longest time. If you are just going to be similar to the number one, you're not being, you're not going to be as competitive as you want to be. Um, and I firmly believe that AEW has to go back into what it made them popular. And that was being that alternative, being the show that put on the great wrestling matches on TV, uh, had more of a realism when it comes to their feuds, let these guys cut uh, promos and be unscripted. So I think that just kind of plays into it. So I think it's also impacting this attendance figures, you know, and I'm sure local marketing and the way they go into different markets and, and showcase their product also has a factor to it. But um, I think overall, at the end of the day, there just isn't as much of a demand for AEW right now as there was years past. But 
again, you look at WWE and their demand is still very much high. Like they're selling out a bunch yep. of buildings. Chicago is sold to the brim uh, for Survivor Series. And so I've always said with WWE, however I feel about their product and how I feel their storylines are, it is connecting with their fan base and the fans are responding and they are selling out arenas and house shows are getting in some cases, 10,000 people for house shows. So business is good for WWE, AEW. It's definitely concerning right now. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I don't disagree with you about get back to what brought you there. Um, you know, having some great wrestlers and some great people to speak on the microphone and do do some good things with your product that the other company isn't doing. And for all the silliness that the other product, like I still prefer AEW way more than WWE. Um, watching damage control just all be at the ring and cost Charlotte Flair and EO Sky beats Charlotte Flair. I'm like, oh, but Bianca Belair's back. And I'm like, ah, uh, okay. Um, there isn't a lot that interests me about what's going on in fact, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the only thing I actually enjoyed this week was uh, Gunther and Bronson Reed. Um, yeah. I thought it was fantastic for, you know, I say for the WWE, but it was something that was made intriguing. Bronson Reed beat a whole bunch of guys here along the way, and he beat Gable, and he beat Otis, and he beat Ciampa, and deserved a shot, and, and Gunther picking him up for the... The power bomb was amazing, and it's just like they built it up that the match was going to mean something. They just did it properly, yep. and it's like it doesn't even like there's no feud between Bronson Reed and Imperium, and I was like, I'm stoked for this match, and it was the only thing I think I've been stoked about the WWE this whole week. Yeah. So, again, it's not rocket science and silliness that the WWE does. If AEW wants to be different, like you've been saying, and man, I'm hoping I, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, uh, like I don't take many L's, you know, in life I don't take I don't take many L's, mm -hmm. but I'm starting to at least be a little. It's like when the Cowboys lost to Arizona, yeah, a little concerning. Like uh, that, that's an L that you shouldn't be taking. Now, mm -hmm. I shouldn't be taking an L on this MJF, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kingdom, the vignettes, Adam, one more thing, silliness, yeah. but it's it's awfully silly right now. Um, yeah. it, it's to the point where I'm like, I told you before that I was fine with it uh, until it stopped it all in, and it hasn't stopped a bit. Um, nope. So, so it, it went from, okay, I can get by this till they wrestle and blah, 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 blah. But now it's just silly. Um, okay. I, I, I'm concerned that I might be taking an L on this one. And I'm, <laughs> I'm starting, it's every week that I watch it and I see these dumb vignettes and I'm like, oh my, like, I, it's just trending the wrong way for me to take this L. But yeah. I will ask you again because i'm going to ask you every week until we do it because and we'll just end with this okay okay this week right now who do you think is underneath the mask oh uh, i'm glad they finally brought out that storyline uh because it'd been a while since they had mentioned that, that attack um i still believe it's adam cole 
underneath the mask. Uh, but I, I, I really don't have the same passion for the storyline uh, that when it, then when it first, uh, they first introduced that masked angle. Um, so I will say Adam Cole still, but still, yeah, but I, I say it unenthusiastically to the point where I kind of want it to end. So. See, I, I disagree there because I want it to continue because it's the only thing as a part of the old MJF, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong. I don't, I don't love where any of that's going, but I don't know who's under the mask. And I also, I also, and I think the other thing that I wanted to ask you quickly is the, is the Wardlow stuff. He's coming in. He's not, not talking. He's just, I don't know. He power bombed the guy once and they called the match off. And I'm like, okay, like, I get it. You want to power bomb the guy seven times and he can't get up and you think he's out of it. No problem. This guy, they power bomb once and they just stopped the match. And then he kind of pushed Tony Savani, but he had the MJF, um, written on the tape of his hand. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's a written on the tape because he wants to fight him, or are yes. they making it look that way? No, I think he wants to fight him. Uh, I, I so my feel, my sense, and I I have no intel on this or anything like that. My sense is I think they're going to get one last big feud out of Wardlow and finish up that MJF storyline before Wardlow leaves AEW. That's my feel on it. Um, okay. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, when Wardlow comes out, he does those power bombs. He just looks so unenthused when he does them, at least uh, to m- how I view him. Uh, he just does not have that same energy or character mm-hmm. that he had when he first was brought in as MJF slacky. Yeah. Um, and now he's just kind of, he's so much like, I've been saying it for a while, but it was especially clear to me that he's just kind of a guy for me on TV. Um, and so to me, I just look at it as this is a chance for Wardlow to sort of wrap up his feud with MJF, tie up that loose end. He's still somewhat popular to the audience. And uh, and they were kind of angling it too throughout that show where uh, everybody seems to be going after MJF because Kenny Omega also had that stare down. MJF is staring down that uh, that title record that Kenny Omega has for the longest reigning uh, title holder. Yeah. Um, so Samoa they, Joe also. Yeah. I, I, I don't quite get the Samoa Joe stuff too, and I, maybe it's for another episode, but yeah. the guy lost clean. Well, I mean, tag rope around the neck, whatever. Mm-hmm. Lost in the big spot. At Dynamite, and just now is sitting cutting promos saying, I want to be, I want to be the champion. I'm going to be the champion. Well, you just were in line and lost a huge match and have done nothing since. Yeah. Why are you are doing it though? So, but why are you in line to have a title match? Like, Jay White's got the, got the match at full gear, and Wardlow certainly would be on that list. And who knows what would be happening with Adam Cole and like, I just, I, I don't quite get it. It's like, okay, we put Joe in a big spot and, he, and then he, he lost and he respected MJF, but decides that he's going to sit and smoke a couple cigars and have a drink and say that I'm going to be the AEW world champion. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't quite get that, but you're right. Everyone's kind of going after him. We'll see what happens. I'm still not convinced that it's going to be a, uh, um, 
a double shot here or like a reverse psychology and it's going to be MJF when everyone's going to think it leads down an Adam Cole path. Um, but I think they could still go a couple of ways with it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do see your Adam Cole stuff and maybe he starts up the, the bullet club again and um, turns on him and goes with Rod, Roddy Strong and the guys in the kingdom or whatever, undisputed kingdom, yep. whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it. But you would have a group there that if that happened, I guess the confusing thing to me would be like uh, House of Black is coming in now and feuding with BCC. And um, I don't really know who's the heels and who's not. Um, and if Adam Cole turned on MJF and went, heel with his group well what do they do with the bullet club gold like it feels like they're the same group but just another group yep so lots to be determined obviously zach but we can't solve the world's problems we've already tried to in the last couple hours here on the program and it's been a (laughs) long show but always good to talk to you my friend and uh i know another week we'll bring another you know eight nine storylines so uh, <laughs> uh, what's going on it was nice of you yeah. to share i appreciated the fact that yes i'm going to uh just join matt robinson and paul Ken audio once a week um <laughs> get on get on his he's, he's glad we got to that, that two hours of the show <laughs> yeah well we can talk about it more next week but i'm gonna join I'm going to, I'm going to join him and just basically use that as a canvas to promote. This is wrestling. So I love it. Uh, and you're on daytime auto as well, right? I might've got on television yeah. um, and got up to this is wrestling uh, graphic up. And I can promise you that that graphic will be up every other week love it. on, on daytime. Uh, at least the rest of this calendar year. Uh, every other Thursday, I will be on the program and yeah. uh, make sure that I get the graphic up right to promote <laughs> This Is Wrestling as well. In fact, I'm going to wear my best wrestling shirt. I told Derek Fage I would. Nice. Um, so, you didn't have the Taylor Swift shirt uh, when you went, well, did the first because, Yeah, well, it was my second appearance on Daytime, and I'm supposed to be a Sens insider. And so uh, we end up talking a little bit about Taylor Swift and how big she was and the next guest that was coming up after me, some poetry reading, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> boring, boring, boring. Was going to put up a picture of Taylor Swift because I saw it in, in the green room. And I'm like, Taylor Swift, are you, your next guest is going to put up a, a thing of Taylor Swift. Well, I'm going to wear my best Taylor Swift shirt next week just to see his reaction. He's like, no, you won't. <laughs> I'm like, Derek, do you know me? <laughs> so, of course, I had to wear Taylor Swift. Absolutely. Uh, and so, but I will be wearing, so we'll have to maybe get some comments from people if they've lasted this long throughout, if they've got to the end of this podcast, which I can't believe they have, like, what shirt should I wear on television? I'll probably end up going mid because that's how I feel about you and everybody else. But, wow. Um, wow. <laughs> Zach, you you were below mid before, so uh, <laughs> this is me working up. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> yeah, Jeez. exactly. Uh, but it might be it, it might be a Jericho, it might be a an old undisputed era. I don't know. I I got a lot to 
lots of work with. Might be a Bullet Club. Who knows? Have you got a Danny Doring Roadkill uh, T-shirt uh, stored away? Do you, do you know that I I have this philosophy, which is sort of right and wrong about T-shirts? It's like when you buy them, why store them away so no one ever gets to see them? Like sure. wear them. That's that's what they're for. But right. I kind of regret wearing the crap out of my BWO shirt where I, I wore and like it just basically tore up the shreds <laughs> and i wore it out and i need another bwo shirt because i would wear that for sure but anyway um that's for another day so yep a couple of places that uh, we're going to get on and we can talk uh next week but i can tell you one thing this will be going this is wrestling we're trying to get it on tv we're trying to get it on another podcast so we're it's it's hitting new strides zach and it's going to hit some new strides soon with some imaging and websites and all that fun stuff so i'm excited all about all of that as i am talking to you next week for sure it's uh it, i'm looking forward to that getting the word out there about this uh wonderful wrestling podcast for zach mcgiven i'm lever sage thanks again for listening to this is wrestling